There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another splendacular episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher of Paranoia Magazine. And on the line, I have the amazing, fortuitous Ron Patton, our editor-in-chief, Ron. Wow, you're using big words. I thought I was more like ubiquitous, but I'll, I'll go for that one. I don't know. Ubiquitous could work. You are everywhere yeah. all at once. Yes, you see? and as well as enigmatic. Uh, I am definitely, you know, I'll tell you, um, funny, funny story. I was supposed to go to, uh, to a horror convention, um, mm-hmm. in support of OSI 74. Right. right? And, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I like horror movies and stuff and I'm one of the founders of OSI 74 and I was going to go, but the mojo didn't feel right. You know, it, something, things weren't working out for me to get there mm-hmm. and, and the mojo wasn't right and you know it's it's hard to explain when you're when you're a conspiracy nut you mm-hmm. know you, there's like a level of mojo to things and you're like mm, that doesn't feel right i'm not gonna go there and so mm-hmm. i didn't end up going and a couple of people who are paranoia fans hopefully listen to the podcast um actually were at the convention and they they came to see me but i'm not there and so right. mr lobo uh, who we need to have on, Mr. Lobo actually explained to them that I that I'm fairly skittish about public appearances and that I didn't feel good about the situation and so I wasn't there and, right. and they were very understanding. They're like, well, I totally get that, but I yeah, I can be somewhat uh, enigmatic and skittish myself. Radio, radio shows are okay, but showing up in person, you know. Sometimes it's like, I don't know, it just doesn't, something's not right. So I just don't no, know. you do a pretty good job. I've actually seen you present a few times and you seem to have your act together. You're pretty cogent and together and hip. A little on the nerdy, yeah. you're a little on the nerdy side, but you know. I'm a lot on the nerdy side. Yeah, but that's what makes yeah. Olaf Phillips unique. You're like a big nerdy teddy bear. You know, we've gotten requests a few times from people to do uh, a live version of this with, like, people there. And I don't know. I just, you know. People? What do you mean, people? Yeah. Like, have an audience. Like, do it. Do it Are you talking about, like, a podcast. video video podcast, No, perhaps? no. Like, no, oh. no, no. Like, to do it at a place. And, and like, to, to do uh, it at a place uh, and have uh, people uh, show up and actually sit in and watch and you know, on the, on the surface of it, it sounds like, Oh, that's great. 
I think that would be cool. You know, meet some of the people who actually listen and so that talk means to you're gonna and, is that meaning does that mean you're gonna actually come up to Portland and do that? Or do I come down to Martinez yeah. to do that? Or what's the deal? I don't know yet. I haven't figured okay. that part out. But I have to tell you that the the idea of, you know, being in a public space, I mean, I'm not an agoraphobic by any 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 means. I mean, I go out into the world every day. You know, I go to Target and I go to Costco and, you know, I go all the Actually, that's fun. No, no, that's fun. I've done that before. Actually, back in uh, 2012, I guess the fall of 2012, when I had the uh, the uh, grand opening of the uh, of uh, conspiracy, not the but uh, my my first conspiracy store in the uh, Hillcrest district of San Diego. I had Greg Bishop, Skylar Alfgren, and Adam Go Rightly, and we were on oh a po- we were on a podcast. We were on uh, Jeffrey Pritchett's podcast. That was the Church of Mabus or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Yes, and it was great. And we had people walking by, and it was funny because um, earlier in the day, Skyler was just saying. Oh, this is the area where, um, what's that guy's name from Judas Priest, Rob Holford, something like that, Yeah, Yeah. Uh, lives. And then all of a sudden, this bald dude goes walking by, you know, with the vest on. She goes, oh my God, there's Rob. And it was just like, wow, talk about synchronicity. But anyway, kind of getting back to the point, though, that, that was such a fun experience because you know, you know, we were drinking a little bit, and you know, we were just having sure. a good old time, and we were laughing, and you know, so I think those sort of impromptu moments where you don't have anything necessarily rehearsed, but you're just, oh, yeah. you know, relaxed and having a good time, and uh, people walking in and out of the uh, store there, because it was sort of like an internet cafe as well as uh, my little store area. And so, yeah. you know, we just did it for an hour, but man, time just went by. And I would say we spent probably maybe a quarter of the time just laughing. I mean, we just, it was just hilarious. So I think that's a grand idea and we should uh, yeah. try to make Find that happen. To Let's manifest it. I'm all into we manifestation. To, we need to find somewhere to do it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where people can show up, and then we'll see if anybody actually shows up. Oh, I'm sure they would. I, I, I'm thinking of a few places in Portland we could actually do that. And yeah, they would. Well, they would show. About it and let me know. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, being in pu- doing it in public, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, right, and we you know, could. We'll we could. We it. could even. We could even do it like at a uh, Ground Zero Lounge or something. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a little. Oh yeah, yeah. People would be really like volatile and start throwing tomatoes and rotten eggs and shit. So, but uh, it's like the eighty back in the eighties when they they had those underground clubs and they had like a chain link fence between you and the you and the singer because they throw bottles and stuff. Yeah, right. And you know that reminds me of a movie actually that I, I really enjoy called the hunger and in the beginning of the hunger uh bauhaus uh is in the beginning of the hunger 
it's a vampire movie. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they're singing, uh, Peter Murphy singing Bela Lugosi's Dead. And mm-hmm. he's behind a chain link fence. And, you know, it's got jump cuts and, and strobe lights. And it's it's pretty cool. But, but yeah, that reminded me of it. Oh, you know, you know what's coming up, Ron? Halloween. Halloween. And is yeah, that how they Halloween. say in the South? Halloween. I don't know. I'm not from the South. Yeah. Well, I got relatives, but yeah. So, uh, you going to do anything on Halloween? I am. Got any plans? What? I'm going to, I'm going to hand out a uh, full size candy bars cause it's my favorite holiday of the year. Saw one Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to rig a projector. Uh, today I fixed the light on mm-hmm. the outside of my house. So it will work. So people will come to the door tomorrow, uh, is pumpkin carving. And then I'm going to rig a projector and show the outer space connection uh, on my fun. garage door through That's smoke. Cool. Yeah. yeah. With a man. strobe light. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I got to work in the evening, so I can't really do that. But, uh, you know, oh, well. I, I'd kind of like to participate by handing out good quality uh, nutritional food to the uh, youngsters. Are they, you one of those people that hands out like raisins? Uh, no, more like granola bars and uh, oh, yeah, of that. Yeah, pumpkin seeds, but the the tamari type pumpkin seeds, not just the you know regular unsalted ones. No, they got they got flavor to it. So yeah, you know, some really healthy treats. Granola, yeah, lots of granola ugh. bars. Um, no, dude, you got to hand out candy. It's a candy holiday, man. You got to hand out candy. Well, but you know, every Hershey bars and Kit Kats. But everybody, you know, gives out candy. They hand it out. So why not be a little bit yeah. different? I mean, and really, I don't know. I, look I'm at all the. Yeah, but look at all the I'm, stomach aches and and uh, rotten teeth. It's gonna, it's you know, result in that. Yeah, I guess. But. It's part of childhood. Okay, okay, well, I, I see your point. Actually, once in a great while, I like a good candy bar myself. So yeah. So I'm I guess if that's the, the time. Kit Kats. Oh, Kit Kats. Oh, man. I could go for a Kit Kat. Hey, do we have any Kit Kats? No? Okay. Just drive drive nine hours yeah. down here and you can have a Kit Kat. Really? Nine hours? Hey, Steph. Yeah, I think it's nine hours. Nine hours drive down to Martinez for some Kit Kat bars? There's like a five-minute walk. Oh, she said a five-minute walk would probably work out better. So, Oh, well. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I just like them, the scenic, the scenic minor, route. Minor conspiracy-infused Kit Kats. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I was thinking, you know, we were we were discussing uh, some options of what to talk about in this podcast, and I I thought, you know, hey, it's Halloween. Let's talk about Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, paranoia is a being paranoid in general. You know, you're paranoid about a lot of things. You could be paranoid about Agenda 21 and moon bases and exotic aircraft and in the mm-hmm. you know, deep government and the Illuminati and all that. But you can also be paranoid about ghosts and vampires and cryptids and things that are kind of scary. So I thought, you know, since this is the Halloween Halloween time mm-hmm. of the year, Samhain and all, mm-hmm. I thought it might be fun to talk about Halloween stuff. 
because you know there there are things about Halloween and experiences that we've had that both had mm-hmm. are very unique and different, and I thought the listeners would enjoy that. Thank you, but <clears throat> you know, with the time of the year, so well, it's I mean, very paranormal for off. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, you want to hear something funny? This is probably a little known fact that when you actually interview people where, you know, I, I used to be the executive producer of ground zero, Ron, mm-hmm. you are the executive producer of ground zero. I know for a long time. Like, for a long time. Yeah. I was only a year. You got me eclipsed maybe yeah. a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But one of, one of the things that you, that you find out that, that's kind of weird is that, you know, when a lot of times when you go to somebody to be a guest on the show, you say, so what do you want to talk about? You know, we're, we have this topic, but but mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to talk about? So, you know, you can tell Clyde and Clyde will, you know, bring it up. And, you know, oddly enough, a lot of conspiracy researchers are actually really into the paranormal. Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's a uh, good crossover between conspiracy and the paranormal. I mean, you know. You can find a little of both in each in each one, for the most part. Yeah. So, and I mean that's what we try to do in Ground Zero is sort of like look at the conspiratorial side of the paranormal and, and vice versa. So, yeah, yeah, it it makes total sense, really. And you know, you know when I'm when I'm not off uh, hunting down hidden transmitters and and looking for exotic aircraft and and you know, researching, uh, space Nazis, you know, mm-hmm. I do actually really enjoy, uh, the paranormal stuff. You know, I, when the Halloween co- time comes around, you know, I love watching the ghost shows and haunted mm-hmm. places. I actually, myself, I make it a point to have visited and visit, uh, many, 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 many haunted places. Um, I go on ghost hunts whenever I go somewhere, mm-hmm. um, ghost mm-hmm. tours, ghost hunts, I've had some pretty weird experiences doing that. Really? You're like, uh, how many ghost hunts have you been on? Uh, probably a dozen. Yeah, I've never really been on a real ghost hunt, per se. I mean, I was at that one um, sort of impromptu ghost hunt down in San Diego when you and Larry Overman came down and we were at the Wyatt Earp hotel and we were using some sort of ghost app but you know the only thing that was weird was when we were going down a staircase and all of a sudden it just there's like this chill and it wasn't the kind of chill from like a draft but i mean everybody felt it too all like they were all looking at each other it was like what the hell was that and then there was some uh electromagnetic activity going on at the same time so I mean, that was just sort of the, about the only real experience I had. The other one was when um, we had a Krampus party over at Renner's yeah. uh, Bar and Grill in uh, Portland. Um, Roger Cluton and his uh, girlfriend and Clyde went upstairs to do a little, again, it was just sort of an impromptu thing because... Uh, uh, Steve Potter, the uh, manager, said, hey, you know, this place is really haunted. And, yeah, yeah. and so he showed them a particular place. And then, you know, uh, Roger had his meter. And so they go upstairs 
And then all of a sudden, uh, Roger's girlfriend screams and she goes, what the hell just scratched me? And she had this scratch mark on her, like, I think it was on her arm or shoulder. And she goes, fuck, I am out of here. And she starts running down the stairs and uh, somebody took a picture of her running down. And then like, there's this sort of like this dark shadowy figure kind of following her. But then yeah. when she got to the car, all of a sudden it was sort of like this misty. It, it, it sort of turned into something else, but it was still following her. So <laughs> it was just, I thought that was pretty bizarre. I mean, again, I, I was there, but I didn't see what was going on. It was just like, whoa, what, what? I thought she just got maybe pissed off at Roger for something and just left. But yeah, Isn't so that was weird. The wildest one I ever went on <clears throat> was, um, well, I've, I've been in a few wild ones. The wildest mm-hmm. one I ever went on, we actually did with Clyde. And he came down here. And there's a there's a newspaper here that's, that's called the Martinez Gazette that's been in operation mm-hmm. for bazillions of years. And uh, supposedly, well, one of the people who was the editor... Of the, of the newspaper um, editor-in-chief, he had been fingered as a possible candidate to be the Zodiac Killer. Wow. And the the building was really, really haunted. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really haunted. And so we got Clyde down here, and we decided to, to do a on-air ghost hunt. And so we get Clyde all set up. And then, you know, uh, Chris Reeves was, was in on it, too. He had made some uh, EMP field generators and all this other stuff, and we we put those up in the um, the drop ceiling. And when they were putting them in, there were like, you know, he said there were like shadow people hanging around, and it was pretty freaky. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Clyde, Clyde interviewed a bunch of people about the Zodiac Killer, and at one point. Um, we finally convinced Clyde to, to, to use one of those uh, SB7s, the, the spirit box, the frequency skipper thing, where it, it'll go through, like, you can set it to AM or FM, and then, like, every 10 seconds, it, like, cycles, cycles the channel. Mm-hmm. So what you hear is, like, right? And mm-hmm. so, so Clyde gets on there, and we're like, you know, there was a commercial break, and we're like, Clyde, ask him if he's, because he's interacting with something, and something's replying. We're like, ask him if he's a Zodiac. Ask him if he's a Zodiac. So, so the we come out of the break and Clyde, you know, I'm gonna ask it a big question now. I'm like, okay, great. That's now he's gonna do it. And so mm-hmm. he goes, all right, are you there? And this is, you know, this is all live on radio. And some of mm-hmm. it's paraphrased. I'm not gonna remember exactly what he said, but he said something like, "Are you there?" And it's like, yes, right. And so he goes, "Are you the Zodiac?" I am the Zodiac. He goes, are you the Zodiac? He goes, I am the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. And, and then Clyde like became very pale. Mm-hmm. And he, and he started acting kind of weird. And obviously, you know, and this is live on the air. Everybody's very concerned. And mm-hmm. Clyde's like, go to a commercial break. And so you know, there was like an unplanned uh, commercial break. Cause he's talking to, KXL back up in the mothership 
And so they put on a commercial and Clyde's like, I don't feel right. And he tries to stand up and he's all wobbly. And, mm-hmm. and he went outside and, and he threw up and he comes back in and he's really shaken. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what this is, but I don't feel right. And so, you know, he's a trooper. He gets back in the air and he can keep doing the show. And then uh, one of the people, and Crystal, she wanted, she had this one experiment that she does with flashlights. And basically you, you kind of rig the flashlight so that, you know, you don't, you only very have to, you only have to touch it very lightly to turn it on and off. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, you still have to press it. You know, we, we made sure that you had to press it to turn it on. And so she lines these flashlights up and, and Clyde's like, okay, turn on the flashlight. So the flashlight turns on and another flashlight turns on and another flashlight turns on. We did this like the longest time, the flashlights turning on and off. And then, then a couple minutes later, there's this loud bang mm-hmm. and, and we're like, what, what the hell? And so Chris climbs up into the, the attic and it turns out that one of the EMP generators that he had built, it exploded. Whoa. I mean, like full on, yeah, like full on broke apart and exploded. I mean, how rare is that? He said it's never happened to him before. Right. And so, there were, I mean, footsteps and creaking and, and all kinds of crazy craziness in that place. Mm-hmm. That was wild. And we did it live on the air. I remember, I recall. Yeah. Actually, it was uh, taped. People can see parts of that uh, on YouTube, right? Yeah, I believe you can, you can actually watch parts of it on YouTube. And we had a lot of activity. That, that one was pretty crazy. But you know, I mean, I like I, I like I said, I, I chase the stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I've also had other experiences where, you know, uh, I was going up to Portland, and you know, I asked uh, Chris, I, I asked him if there was a haunt, good haunted hotel around, and he said, well, you know, McMinniman's Crystal Palace is supposed to be haunted, but it's you know, it's it's probably just myth, right? And mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so I stayed in in the Crystal Palace. And I was sitting on the bed. Um, it's a kind of a, it's a very old hotel. So like you have a room and your room has like a, like a sink, but it mm-hmm. doesn't have a bathroom. You have to like walk down the hall to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was just sitting there for a minute trying to decide what I wanted to do because I was in between like seeing you guys and mm-hmm. going somewhere. You know, I just really didn't have anywhere to be. So I was kind of deciding what I wanted to do and, and, and I'm I'm just sitting on the bed, looking out the window. Nothing important. And mm-hmm. something something punched me in the back. Yikes! Like it actually punched me in the back. I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. But I could feel like the the. Well, it was more maybe it was like a poke, but I could feel it like mm-hmm. go into my skin, like like mm-hmm. you were poking me. Right. Yeah. That's that was trippy. Yeah. I saw an arm uh, appear in midair once. What? So around ha- yeah, so around Halloween, there's a um, there's an airplane museum in Oakland. Mm-hmm. It's called, uh, well, I think they call it the Oakland Aerospace Museum now. Mm-hmm. But it's, <clears throat> you know, it's a little airplane museum. You know, I love airplanes, right? So we got mm-hmm. kind of three three big airplane museums close to me. Yes. There's the Oakland Aerospace Museum. There's the Hiller Aviation Museum, and there's the Western Aerospace Museum or California Aerospace Museum, I guess now, up in Sac. 
Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> sorry, and the Hiller School because you know Hiller Aviation and made all these kind of wacky kinds of things, but they also have the the supersonic uh, transport plane that was built by NASA. They have like half the fuselage, so you can walk around inside of it and whatever. But the Oakland Airplane Museum is actually really interesting. Most of it is like you know your standard like. Uh, they have like an A4, they have like an, I think they have an F4, an F14, you know, mm-hmm. um, they have, I mean, just run of the mill stuff, but they actually have this one, um, Navy bomber. There was a catapult launch of aircraft carriers. And the guy told us a really cool story about it, but that's another thing. Mm-hmm. But, but so around Halloween, they do like a ghost tour because supposedly the hangar it's in a hangar, the hangar's haunted. And so, you know, I go, I go down there with the co-parent and, and we're like looking around. I had the SB seven, you know, I had a conversation with a ghost with the SB seven. That's actually not that rare. And so I went to this, I was just walking around and I went, they were making a big deal about opening this, this like chest that they had never opened before. So they actually had to like cut the lock to open it up. And the entire history museum, they never, never opened it. It was somehow linked to Amelia Earhart. So they thought it might be haunted. But I, I decided to skip the, the unboxing because I figured that was going to be like Geraldo Rivera and, and Al Capone's vault. Do you remember that? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, when, yeah, when they break in Al Capone's vault and all they found was like a Coke bottle. It was really stupid. Well, anyway, so I go in the back and there's a room back there that's dedicated to this uh, airline that used to run out of Oakland that doesn't exist anymore. And they have, you know, they have like a pilot's outfit and a, and a flight attendant's outfit and like dishes and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm standing in there and, and I'm just, I'm just standing there and this arm appears in midair from about the shoulder down to the hand. And it just appears in midair and it's like, it's writing on, at a desk. And, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things one of the things that's really difficult about ghosts and ghost hunting is that you don't like you don't watch this stuff for like hours. You know, you see flashes of stuff or or you'll see something for like, you know, 30 seconds or but when you're actually seeing it, it's like a lifetime. And and I just stood there like my eyes are wide open just watching this arm writing at a desk Jeez. there's no yeah. desk there's no mm-hmm. desk there it's, mm-hmm. it's like a display case with like you know flight wings and like dishes and little models of the airplanes i think they flew like constellations so as like a constellation mm-hmm. photos and all this kind of people stories and all that kind of stuff and it's just writing and i'm just standing like what it's like an arm hanging in midair wearing like a like plaid writing and it had like a cuff, you know, it was like a plaid shirt with a button cuff. And it's just, mm-hmm. I couldn't see the pencil, but I could see the hand. I was like, I'll be damned. And so then it, it just vaporized. And I go and ask the guy who runs the place. I said, is that back room haunted? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's totally haunted. Why? What What did you see? And I said, well, I saw midair. I saw this arm appear in midair just writing. And the guy's like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I said, why is that? He goes, well, that was the office. And so he goes, here, let me show you. So we go back there, 
he says, well, where'd you see the arm? And I kind of put my arm in the position of where it was like somebody was sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. Right? And he goes, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. I said, why is that? He goes, well, you know, he's like, I have pictures of it, but not out. But basically there was a desk there and the guy who, who managed the, I think it was Kaiser air. It was like a maintenance hanger and the guy who managed it, um, that was his office and he had a desk right there and he, he had a tendency to wear plaid and he was writing. That's where he would write. Wow. He's like, you couldn't, you couldn't possibly know that. That is so bizarre. So do you think those type of, uh, paranormal experiences, you're basically just sort of, uh, sort of piercing into another dimension or another frequency? You know, I think there are a couple different kinds of kinds of hauntings, right? I think one is where, for whatever reason, you know, it's it's convenient that the ghost hunters, ghost, you know, parapsychologists, they always say, well, places where traumatic events took place are haunt, are usually haunted, like Gettysburg or Round Hill or whatever. But I, but. It could also, but it could also be because the guy loved it so much, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that in those kinds of situations, what happens is, is that there's an imprint. One type of haunting is that there's an imprint, right? And it's just played back. And I don't think that that whatever was attached to that arm was necessarily intelligent, because. I mean, it it just was writing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, it wasn't like it said, hey, how how are you doing? I'm going to write you a letter. Right. There was wasn't like, any interaction. It was just sort of like a, no, uh, just, like looking at, like at a, film or something. Like a film and, reel. Yeah, it's like a right. fuzzy film reel. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the so, arm's translucent. Right. And but it, I think that's you know, what confuses people, though, sometimes is where they um, don't necessarily understand the... Uh, sort of the nuances and intricacies of that type of anomalous activity that goes on. And so they think that everything's a ghost or everything is this or that. But I I think it could be a a number of different things that are going on actually simultaneously. Exactly. I think in that situation, it was a playback that it was like watching a film reel. And it, it means that the space is haunted. Sure. But, it's not haunted by a ghost. It's haunted by an action. And I remember when I was very, very young, we took a trip to Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, my, my parents love books and I really love books. And so they took, they, we went, we went into a bookstore and I got this book. I still have it uh, to this day. And it was the, it was like a children's book by uh, the Usborn uh, or Osborne, but it was mm-hmm. like a book of, it was like a book of like um, mysterious stuff. So it, it didn't just have ghosts, like it had demons in it, and you know the Mary Celeste and you know UFOs and all this other stuff. But it was it was a soft cover book. I like I said, I still have it. And in um, one of the places that it ta- it talked about that always really freaked me out there were two things that really, and it was an English book. It was from England. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were two things in it that particularly freaked me out. One was this phantom 
um, this phantom double-decker bus that would go careening mm-hmm. down the streets in London. And I always thought, well, if I go to London, I know I'm going to run into this thing. And I went to London, and I didn't run into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the other thing was, was a place called um, Edge Hill. And, mm-hmm. and when I lived in England, um, Edge Hill was just down the road. And so I asked the people I worked with were pretty much all locals. And in England, now, this is a general observation, but it's not always true. I'm going to say that. But in general, um, people mm-hmm. stick. It's a very small place. But people stick uh, very closely to where they're from. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's not like, you, you know, you're born in, in, in Birmingham and you, you go to Manchester all the time. Most right. people born in Birmingham stay in Birmingham. They don't, they might go to Manchester for college and then they come back to Birmingham. They don't like go all over the place. And like I said, it's a small place. I think we drove to Scotland in, I want to say it was like eight hours, seven hours. Mm-hmm. You could pretty much drive the entire length of the country in like eight hours, eight or 10 hours. Which, I mean, it's like like being in California, but it's a whole right. country, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so people stay local. So I asked one day, I got curious. We didn't really have anything to do that weekend. We are just going to drive around. So I asked the people, you know, what if, if Edge Hill was actually haunted? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's totally haunted. And it, it's funny because at the base of it, is a munitions dump for the uh, Ministry of Defense. Wow. Yeah, but what had happened was during the British Civil War, right, mm-hmm. that there was this massive, I think it was a Civil War, there was this massive battle fought on Edge Hill, and it's <clears throat> there are no mountains there, really, but it's like a big hill, and mm-hmm. it's a gentle slope, big grassy gentle slope, on the top, there's like, there's a little town up there and there's like, there's a weird, like a fortification on the top. That's actually a pub. It's really cool. You should mm-hmm. go there, but it's all oh, yeah. trees and stuff. Well, anyway, there was this massive battle that took place on the hill and part of the one army came down and one army went up and they fought and just, it was just a bloodbath. I mean, it just, just tons of people died. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, supposedly on the anniversary of the battle, the um, battle is recreated. Now, some people told me that it happens in the air above it. So like you can be standing on the ground looking up and you're watching the fighting above you. Some Mm -hmm. people said that they had actually seen it take place on the ground. So it was kind of all over the place with that. But if you go there on the anniversary of the battle, supposedly at a minimum, you can hear people screaming and fighting. But some people actually see the battle take place. Sort of a step back in time. That is But again, but again, the film strip. Uh Uh-huh. And then there are uh, times too, where sort of in conjunction with that, people actually can smell like the gunpowder or even like death too. (laughs) And, uh, so it, it just seems like, um, some of the things that I've thought about regarding these sort of like really weird, bizarre, paranormal experiences where there's sightings or of ghosts or disembodied spirits, what have you, um, 
it appears that there's like a vortex or some sort of ley line where these type yeah. of things that uh, occur on a, on an ongoing or frequent basis. For instance, there's uh, Victoria, British Columbia. And uh, I went actually on a ghost tour, not on a hunt, but on a tour. And he was just talking about how they have more sightings of ghosts up there than like any place in North America practically. And then, you know, I just brought up the fact because I was doing a little bit of research on it. I go, uh, could it be perhaps a vortex or ley line? And it seems like when there's like really dense, heavy mineral deposits, especially of quartz, then start having those type. And he goes, as a matter of fact, yes. (laughs) That Vancouver Island is extremely dense with uh, minerals. And so it's one of the reasons why there are a lot of uh, sort of occult groups and just spiritual type groups on Vancouver Island. And uh, there are other places, you know, throughout the world, like Sedona in Arizona is another place where there's a very strong uh, ley line there. And so you have a lot of kind of like new agey type folks, healers, light workers there, Um, Taos, New Mexico, like people can actually feel the vibrations in some of these places too on the ground. So, yeah, it's just unfortunately I haven't seen a lot, uh, but uh, you know maybe someday I will. Well, you know it's one of those things you have to seek it out. I mean, you you have yeah. to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. yeah, and you have to want to go to places that are really haunted. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like well, yeah, like the Go Cecil ahead. Hotel. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's where uh, Elisa Lamb died. But I I heard that. People are always saying that there are a lot of weird uh, types of paranormal activity at that place because, uh, I mean, they use that place for all kinds of stuff, mob stuff, drug running, you know, CIA drug running drop off place. Uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, was there for a while. So, yeah. So you have these places where there's just all kinds of just really uh, nefarious type of activity that's gone on. And so it kind of makes you wonder, uh, is there something that's really ancient, you know, like a burial ground or something like that that was disturbed or or what? But, uh, you know, another interesting thing, too, when I was doing some research on this back in the 90s, like there's a lot of um, uh, what's considered sort of like holy ground or uh, Native American uh, burial sites throughout the United States. And it just so happens to be where there's these like top secret military installations. So to me, it's like they must have known something. Like for instance, uh, out in the Mojave Desert, there are certain areas out there where they have these bases like China Lake Naval Weapons Center, Fort Irwin. Um, and then in uh, New Mexico, there's a Dulce DARPA base. So, And right. that ha- used to be a, uh, a place where there was a lot of uh, Native American rituals that took place, you know, hundreds of years ago. Well, you know, you know I'm a huge fan of Nick Redfern. And in fact, you know, we... 
plug for the podcast, you know, we interviewed him. And it's very, he's a very interesting dude to talk to. Mm-hmm. And my, out of every, I mean, the guy's just a pr- prolific writer, but I have to say the most amazing book that he ever wrote for me was the whole Collins elite thing that the government sponsored, you know, uh, scientists trying to open gateways to hell and all kinds of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it shows that there, that there's some, there's some interest in it. And going back to what, what James talked about on our last podcast, you know, this, you know, doing these rituals and trying to summon things mm-hmm. you know, it, that it came off as being a kind of like a program. You know, this was one test site and there were other test sites and it, you know, there, there definitely seems to be some sort of involvement with the, with the military. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the Russians, the Soviets were really into that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did all kinds of experimentation with psychics and, and trying to harness the power of that stuff. But one thing I will tell you, having, having chased this stuff for a long time, mm-hmm. most, most places you go that are haunted, it's very much like the playback thing. It's very much like the film strip. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I went to the, the little Bighorn battlefield where, you know, Custer's last stand. Right. I was a kid when I went, I went, but you know, there's, it's on the, it's in the plains. So there, there's like a breeze. Mm-hmm. It was very hot. It's very hot. And there was like a breeze that, that kind of went through it. And I swear to you, the when that breeze went through you'd hear stuff and it's a weird mm-hmm. place because there's a lot of like like gullies like trenches mm-hmm. that are a little taller than like a person and they have markers where they found all the bodies right, right. and so it'll tell you like well sergeant xyz died here and you know corporal xyz died here and there are these markers like gravestones all over because you know they mean they slaughtered the entire lot of them right so you go you go there are a lot of walkways like paths and you go you're supposed to stay on the paths obviously but you go down into these gullies and you see these groups of you know two three five markers where Mm -hmm. obviously you know these cavalry guys had gotten killed there and when you especially down in there when the wind blows by you can hear the fighting you can actually hear them fighting and yelling and screaming. You can hear it on the wind. And it's the strangest right. thing I've ever heard. Cause it's like, you know, go stand outside and, and just the soft breeze, not like wind, like just the gentle breeze. And as the gentle breeze flows by, cause you know how it kind of like flows past you, mm-hmm. pretend you can hear screaming as it's, as it's kind of like soft muffled screaming, like, ah, Know, and just kind of wafts by you. It's a very weird place. Yeah, well, like one of the strangest places that I've heard of um, over the past year was this one guy. He's a, a regular Ground Zero listener. And uh, he hap- he lives in Oregon, but he owns a, uh, a place in uh, Baja, California. So he goes down there every few months and checks on things. But he um, he came across a uh, some paranormal investigators down there that were doing some investigation on this uh, tunnel 
which is right by close to the ocean. It's sort of one of those, uh, um, I don't know what you call them, but it's sort of like a, a, a river that sort of flows out into the ocean. But then there's like okay. this tunnel that goes right through there. And um, apparently it's super haunted. Where before it just used to be sort of like a, you know, one of those tales where, oh, you don't want to go in there because you'll never come back out. Well, people come out of there, but it something changes them. And more times yeah. than not, something really bad happens to them. And uh, there's he's known like three people that have gone through there. And they all wound up dead in one way or another within wow. a few months. And uh, he, That's there's this, there, yeah, there's this one guy who's actually a professor. He's like a, a ling, linguistic professor who found wow. out about this, and he was just very curious. And so he started going into this tunnel, and um, yeah. because he thought, well, maybe there were some drug running going on, and so maybe. These drug runners were just telling people's, you know, stories so Sorry. that they would go through that tunnel and, and right. utilize it. And, but um, so anyway, he went into the tunnel and then he came out and uh, something changed. It was like he wasn't the same type of person. He was super paranoid. And within a month or two, he was he went missing. He was MIA. He was never found. So th this guy uh, really wants to do some sort of like investigation there. But at the same time, he's obviously very scared. And uh, so, yeah. I mean, that, that I think it's called La Raza or something like that. There's, there's a name for that place. No, it's that tunnel, La Raza or La Reza yeah, or something like that. Hmm. And, uh, but, uh, man, that just, it, it freaked the heck out of him just because, like I said, he knew several people and he heard the, you know, the rumors and, and sort of the folklore behind it. But to him, it was real because he knew some of these people that actually died. And, uh, um, and then this one guy that he was in touch with, this professor who was wanting to get to the bottom of it and trying to find out some get some tangible and some empirical evidence. And then all of a sudden he, something freaked him out to where he's, he's nowhere to be found. So right. yeah, there's, I'm sure there's, you know, places like that all over the place. And, uh, you know, there's various types of, uh, occult stuff that kind of goes on. And, you know, the, the other the thing, you know, we're, the what? The hellfire caves. What's that? I've heard of that. <clears throat> well, finish your finish your story, and then I'll I'll tell you. About the <laughs> no, but it, but it's just interesting how sometimes just mythology and folklore about like uh, just really horrific periods of time have more truth than they do fiction. Actually, it's just that you know, maybe how things were perceived. And yeah, granted, there is a certain amount of hysteria that takes place, but usually there's some sort of kernel of truth when it comes down to 
these type of stories. But uh, anyway, tell me about the the Hellfire Kids. That I've heard of that. Hellfire before. Caves. Oh, caves. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. So in in High Wycombe in England, there's a a cave system, and uh-huh. you know it's it's a naturally occurring cave system, but it was further built out, and basically. Uh, members of the aristocracy and other notable people such as Benjamin Franklin. Well, like the uh, Hellfire Club, with, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where the Hellfire Club comes from. Mm-hmm. They used to go down to the Hellfire caves and do, supposedly they do like human sacrifices and, and orgies and all kinds of weird stuff down in this cave system. Mm-hmm. And they did, you know, Luciferian stuff. And, and from what I understand to this day, it's, it's still very haunted that you go down there there's shadow people and weird stuff, you know, instruments go crazy and all kinds mm-hmm. of weirdness. But you, you know, the one that gets me, I forget the name of the place now, um, but it's way up in Northern, Northern, Northern Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of weird stuff there, mm-hmm. there's a, a village and it was an Inuit village way up there. Right. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, they have, a, they have radios and, you know, there it's an it's a village i mean they have a radio and they have you know they'll have a doctor that flies in to check on and take care of people that are sick or whatever but it's very remote and and so one day they stopped broadcasting they just Mm -hmm. stopped and and people became very concerned because they couldn't get a hold of anybody there and so they decided to fly up there to see what was going on so the plane lands and they get out of the plane, and the village is there, but there are no people. Mm-hmm. The entire village vanished, gone. Everything is still there. There's food on the table. It's like the Mary Celeste. There's food on wow. the table. Yeah, but nobody's there. Everybody's it's gone. like they got raptured or something. Yeah, yeah. abducted by aliens or who knows, but the entire yeah. village vanished. Kind of makes There's you think no of like the, the Maya you know, the Mayans or something like that, or there's certain civilizations that seem like they just sort of, uh, vanished or, you know, no traces of them. So oh, I wonder yeah. if something like that. But, but, you know, there, there are ghost stories though, getting back to the ghost stories, there are ghost mm-hmm. stories where it's more intelligent, the, the, like you're interacting with something. Mm-hmm. And there, there's one here, there's one here. And so, you know, where I live, it gives away my position, but where, no, where well. I live, there's a huge, there's a huge mountain. So mm-hmm. I, I live in a valley and right. there's kind of foothills on either side. And there's a big old mountain in the center. And it's kind of like the center topology, topology of the whole place. Everybody can see the damn mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's called Mount Diablo, the mountain of the devil. <clears throat> and the name comes from the Spaniards. So when they occupied this area, they would, get into fights with the native Americans and the native Americans, or they would just be chasing the native Americans down to subjugate them or kill them or do some sort of unpleasantness. And so the native Americans would run toward the mountain because they believe that the mountain was holy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they believe that Pui, um, the goddess Pui lived in the mountain and that Pui would, would protect them. And so they would run up the mountain and vanish into the brush. And the Spaniards said that they vanished like the devil took them. So they call it the mountain of the devil. And gotcha. there are two, and there, well, there are three interesting things about that mountain. 
number one, there's a persistent story that there's a, like a black cat of some kind, a spectral black cat that mm-hmm. lives on the mountain, a big one, like a, like a jaguar or a mountain lion, but it's this black cat of some kind that lives on the mountain that gets regularly sighted every, every 10 years or so. Somebody will see this, this mm-hmm. uh, spectral cat. The other thing is that there's supposedly a lost treasure on the side of the mountain. One of the founders of this area, he he was um, bringing silver, I think, back to mm-hmm. Martinez. Right. And he got jumped in the foothills below the mountain. He got jumped by some robbers, and they, and I guess he fought them off. And then he buried, he buried a bunch of, or he buried like all the silver, and then he vanished. Mm-hmm. And he. And one of the robbers survived or something and told this tale that he had had this massive hoard of silver buried up there. So, you know, every so often, you know, some treasure hunters will go up there and try to find it. But the ghost story on the far, from my perspective, on the far side, so like on the eastern side of the mountain, there's a road that kind of hugs the side of the mountain. And it's a Mm -hmm. long, 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 desolate road that not a lot of people drive, right? But it, mm-hmm. it connects a couple of towns on the first on the eastern side, and so what what has been reported many many times is that <clears throat> there aren't a whole lot of police out out there. They don't patrol that road very often, and right. so what will end up happening is people who are drunk will take that road, mm-hmm. and it's been reported many many times that somebody who's driving erratically or is drunk or tired or whatever the reason is they're driving unsafely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be dry at night. They'll be driving late at night, like midnight, you know, one in the morning, they'll be driving. And then suddenly they'll see the, um, the lights turn on for a police car behind them. And obviously hmm. they're like, Oh crap. You know, I'm right. my blood alcohol limit is way over or mm-hmm. I'm too tired of be, you know, they, instantly I'm too know, stoned. I'm in, whatever I'm, I'm yeah. not, I really shouldn't be driving. I just got mm-hmm. nailed and I'm going to yeah. have a big ticket and a lot of legal problems. Mm-hmm. So they pull over and they can see the police car behind them. And it's, it's your typical 1970s, 1980s kind of crown Victoria. Mm-hmm. Right. And the lights are going but they can't see because they're looking in the rearview mirror where they turn around, they look, the lights are obstructing their view of the windshield. So they can't see inside of it. So they just sit in the car and wait. They get out their driver's license and their insurance information and everything else. And they're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And nobody comes to the door and they're waiting and nobody comes to the door. Then eventually the car pulls out and drives past them. And I don't know that anybody's ever remarked what police force is on the side of the car, but it's mm-hmm. very obviously a police car, but I think they're probably all too shaken to say, well, it, you know, it was a Brentwood PD or highway patrol. They can't figure that part out. They just see the car. And as the car passes, they look through the passenger window straight through the car there's nobody driving the car mm-hmm. and the police car kind of goes out past them, turns the lights off and drives down and has its, you know, it has its headlights on 
and they see the taillights driving into the distance and it just fades out. Jeez. And it universally happens. Mm-hmm. Universally happens for people who are driving unsafely. That is crazy. It's yeah. very strange. The bizarre. Um, now, me, myself, I've only interacted with what you'd consider an intelligent ghost a couple mm-hmm. of times. An interactive ghost. It, yes. It's mm-hmm. obviously thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, time, yo, what up, Olaf? Long right. time no one see. Time I, one time I was at the Wally house, mm-hmm. uh, which is re- reported to be one of the most haunted buildings in America. And it's the Wally house. It's in Old Town, Sacramento, or Old Town San Diego. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> supposedly this guy, Yankee Jim, was, was uh, hung there. And, you know, if you walk up the steps, you feel like you're being choked as you're walking mm-hmm. up the steps. But it's, like, super-duper haunted, right? Right. And um, a girl died in the kitchen. I mean, it's a lot of bad stuff. And so I go there, of course. And this is a long time ago. This is eons ago. So I had a SLR camera, a 35-millimeter camera and i and i'm just taking pictures like crazy thinking man i gotta just take mountains of pictures so i can i want to see a ghost right Mm -hmm. because at that point you know i hadn't really seen anything and you know i really wanted to see something to kind of affirm my feeling and so i went into the master bedroom and the way that it's set up is that you've got this huge room but there's like a you walk into like a viewing area and it's, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's kind of a rectangle and there's like a little wall and then it, then it's plexiglass and there's mm-hmm. like a rim around the top of it. And then there's no ceiling, but, but you're inside of like a plexiglass enclosure. Right. And so I went in there and I'm taking photos of the room thinking, well, maybe I'll see a ghost sitting on, on the, um, on the bed or maybe at the nightstand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, we leave and, and I go home and I have the photos developed, right? Yep. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Until I got to the photos of the, of the master bedroom. So I'm looking through the photos of the master bedroom and there's one that's got this, that had like a, like a pink tint or purple tint on the plexi. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I take the photo and I had to scan it in. I had a flatbed scanner. I had to mm-hmm. scan it in. Okay. And I got it into onto the computer and I blew it up real big. And guess mm-hmm. what was guess what that, that bluish purple thing or blue like pinkish purple thing was? What was it? It was a reflection. Mm-hmm. It, I had taken a photo of the plexiglass. And there was right. a reflection of a, of a person standing. They would have been standing on my right side behind me. Mm-hmm. And I swear on all that is holy that it was Anna Whaley, the wife. And when you blow Trippy. it up, you can clearly see it. You can see mm-hmm. a reflection of her just in 1800s clothes, standing, looking, looking through the plexi over mm-hmm. my shoulder. That I mean, it's is. not open to it. Yeah, it's like right out of the book. There's a little book mm-hmm. you can buy there that's like the history of the Wally House. Wally mm-hmm. House. 
And there's a yeah. picture of her. It looked just like the picture. And she would have been, I think, about five four in height, which mm-hmm. is like supposedly about how tall she was. That right. was really creepy. But the Ugh. creepiest yeah, well the creepiest thing that I ever experienced was uh when I was in college, I went to UC Davis and UC Davis has a veterinary school there, right? It's one of the top veterinary schools around. Mm-hmm. And so they have this big hospital, big veterinary hospital. <clears throat> it's not like a the veterinary hospital that you take your dog or cat to, just like a building and, you know, there's some examination rooms and <clears throat> there's a front desk or whatever. This was a three-story tall hospital. I mean, mm-hmm. it looked like a hospital. It smelled like a hospital. It just mm-hmm. had like hydraulic cranes and stuff so they could like lift the horses or the cows or whatever. And it had a barn. And so I was a, I was a pharmacy technician there and I worked graveyard. And so one night, this is, this is wild. One night, mm-hmm. and it, it was very common for the pharmacy techs like me to fall asleep because mm-hmm. a lot of times nothing was happening. I mean, you're there at like one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning. I think right. I, I think I went in at like 11 and our shift change was, I think at like four. Mm-hmm. So I was there for like four or five hours and, you know, it was boring You know, you'd surf the internet or read a mm-hmm. book or do your homework or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm sitting there at one of the computers and I'm, uh, falling asleep. And so, you know, we had a procedure where when we would dispense, um, medication, you know, there were three computer terminals that we could old school terminals. We type in, you know, the prescription and, and what the prescription, you know, the name of the medication, what the prescription was, the attending veterinarian, whatever. And then there was mm-hmm. this dot matrix printer that would print the label out and then we'd put it on a container and there you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm falling asleep. My head's kind of nodding up and down. Mm-hmm. Then I, I heard the dot matrix printer start to turn on. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I guess it's just adjusting. Cause it would do that every once in a while. It kind of, you know, to reposition itself you know, one of the computers like would do something and go, and then that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, fuck it. It's just realigning itself, whatever. And then it goes, you know, the sound of a dot matrix printer printing. Yes. I'm like what the hell? So I walk over to the dot matrix printer. Okay. And by the time I walked the four feet to this silly printer, it was already going to push the label up so I could tear it off and put it on a bottle and hand it to the, to the barn nurse and be done with it. Well, only this time when I looked down at the label, the label said, ha, 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 wakey, wakey. (laughs) Weird. That is weird. It gets better. So I'm standing there and I'm like, Oh crap. Because there are only three computers that can print it, and I can see all three computers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm in a locked room because I'm in a pharmacy, so the pharmacy's locked. Right. Nobody is in there. It's an L shape, and I, I went, I'm like somebody's in here. So the whole thing was probably maybe 
20 feet long in an L shape, mm-hmm. like, you know, five, six feet, then another 10 feet or 12 feet the other direction. And then there was like an office and the fume hood, you know, and there's nobody in there. I checked all the mm-hmm. aisles for the medication. There's nobody in there. Doors are locked. <clears throat> this mm-hmm. is weird. Okay. So I'm coming back to the printer to look at the label again. Cause I'm, I'm terminally freaked out at this point. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and then I heard we had a drop ceiling. And you know those kind of asbestos noise-canceling panels in the Uh drop ceilings? Yeah, we had those. And and I heard this, like somebody was crawling over the drop ceiling toward me. Okay? Uh Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm getting freaked out. So I called my girlfriend. I said, I'm freaked out. Now, co-parent, I'm freaked out. I uh-huh. uh, I don't know what to do. And she, she's like, do you want me to come down there? I'm like, no. One completely scared person is bad enough. Let's not go for two. Just stay home. It'll be better for you. Just, I'll deal with it. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, she's groggy. I mean, it's like three and you know, three in the morning. Sure. And I'm wide, I'm wide awake, scared out of my mind. And I, and wherever I would walk, I'd hear it crawling, like it was on all fours, crawling through the drop ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is super bad. So I decided to leave the pharmacy and I went into what we called central service, which was where all the, all the you know, instruments were, and there were mm-hmm. these huge, like, things that you, um, like, um, surgical coverings that you would fold. And we had these ma- this massive, like, uh, stainless steel table. It was, like, seven feet long, and we would fold these huge, like, blankets on it and stuff. And that was one of our jobs. And so I said, mm-hmm. forget it. I'm going back there. So I closed the door. I write a note. I'm in central service. I open the central service door. And I'm folding this thing. And one of the things that I used to do is that we had a radio. The reception wasn't great, but I'd listen to Coast to Coast with Art Bell. So I turn on Coast to Coast with Art Bell. I put it at the far end of the table, and I start folding these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I hear, foot, I hear footsteps. And the footsteps come out of the pharmacy through central service to where I'm sitting. And I have an open door. And I can see down a hallway because they have to be able to get to me if they need medication. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm sitting, and I hadn't seen anybody all night. So I'm, I'm sitting there trying to fold this thing, and I hear these footsteps come around from behind me, and walk past me. And when they walk past me, there's like a cold breeze that went. And this is a hospital; it's like climate controlled. I feel mm-hmm. this cold breeze past me, and I hear the footsteps walk around the table. And when it got to the far end where the radio was. I get, there was like magnetic distortion. You know, when you take mm-hmm. a magnet and you run it yeah. next to a radio, it goes, rrr, rrr. yeah, well, that mm-hmm. happened. And then the footsteps, and it was walking in circles around me. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I was finally like, <clears throat> this went on for a while. And I was, I'm, I mean, I'm petrified. Right. And I'm like, okay. And I just, I figured I'm going to go for broke. I'm like, whoever you are, because it was a person, mm-hmm. whoever you are, okay, you win. I'm scared out of my mind. I'm wide awake. Please just leave me alone. I really can't do this right now. I'm alone. 
<clears throat> scared out of my mind, you know, mm-hmm. just please go do something else. Right. And so the footsteps stopped. And, and I said, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for just leaving. And I hear the footsteps <laughs> walk down to the door, through the door. And I, I hear them walk down the hall and then turn left down this other hallway. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I'm done. So I go and I close the door to central service I, because we had to leave notes. I put another note. I'm just outside the front door and it's a locked door, by the way. I'm outside mm-hmm. the front door having a cigarette. Just come and get me if you need me. I can see through the door. I could see if somebody came up anyway. I just unlock the door and go inside. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing out there by myself <clears throat> having a cigarette. Right. Okay. Cigarettes are bad. Smoking is bad. Don't smoke. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. terrible. Don't do it. Okay. I'm standing outside having a cigarette. And I'm, I'm facing the door because I want to see if somebody comes up to the window. And the door, it was a double door, glass door. And it was one of those doors where it's locked to secure the place because it's nighttime. You mm-hmm. had to push the bar to push it open. And it was a heavy door. So you push the bar down and then you push the door open. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. So, so I'm standing outside the door, right? Something pushed the bar down and pushed the door open in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there and there's, I'm looking right through the door and I'm looking right through the door cause it's glass floor mm-hmm. to ceiling glass kind of deal. The whole side is glass. There's no one there. I watched the bar go down and the door swung open like somebody was leaving the building. You were in awe. I, the cigarette was hanging out of my mouth and I'm like, uh, uh, right. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. So I'm like really mortified. So I, I smoked the rest of my cigarette because I just really needed it at that moment. And by the way, the door swung closed like somebody carefully closed the door. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it swung open wildly. Right. It was very slowly pushed open like a person was pushing a heavy door to leave. And then it closed very slowly like they walked off and it slowly closed. And I'm like, I am really, really, really freaked out. So I go back into the, I put, you know, I put my cigarette butt in the garbage I go back inside of the, the the safety of the pharmacy. All the doors are locked. It's just me and one of the <clears throat> barn nurses came in, and he he needed to get some veterinary tech. So we called mm-hmm. them. Right. We 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 called them barn nurses because they were nurses to us, and we were in a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the one of the barn nurses comes in, and he's he's getting some medication for a cow. And so he comes to the, he comes to the, to the front and he, you know, he's like, Hey, Olaf, how's it going? I'm like, man, I am freaked out. And he goes, why? What's wrong? I said, okay, I've, I've got to ask you a question. I need you to give me the, the honest to God truth. No, no bullshit. And I'm like, and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. You know, I was friends with him. And I'm like, yeah, sure. What do you want to know? I said, is this, is this fucking place haunted? And he goes, Oh, you got a visit. 
And I'm like, <laughs> I got a visit. He goes, Oh yeah, you got a visit. And I'm like, yeah, I got a visit. You know, fucking terrified me. I got a visit. Mm-hmm. He says, Oh yeah, yeah. This place is totally haunted. Nobody told you. I'm all, no. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Find out totally after the haunted. Yeah, of course. And he says, Oh, the other, the other burners is they're going to have a big laugh tonight. I'm like, okay, what's the deal? And so apparently there was a vet. He was a large animal vet. So he took care of like cows and horses and big animals. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he had gone out and, or he was taking care of this one horse that had Valley fever <clears throat> and Valley fever is one of the, the kinds of, um, sicknesses that a, a animal can pass on to you. There are some kinds that are not transmittable to humans. Well, mm-hmm. valley fever sure is, and you can die from it. And so he had contracted valley fever from this horse that he was taking care of, and he had died. Mm-hmm. But he loved he loved working there. He was The vets were also like teachers. They were like professors. And, and he, he loved teaching, you know, the kids like how to, how to be vets. And he just loved being a vet. It was like the pinnacle of his existence was being mm-hmm. a vet. And, and so when he died, according to the Varners, when he had died, he had come back to just permanently take up residence in his favorite place on earth. And he used to hang around in the barn. And he said that what would happen is that they would be, you know, changing the IV line or something on a, on a cow or a horse and they would see him down at the far end of the, of the barn because it's mm-hmm. a barn. There's like aisles and, you know, there are little stalls where the animals are and then there's aisles. And they would see him walking past them down at the far end and he would stop and look at them and smile or he'd wave or give them a thumbs up and then he'd vanish mm-hmm. or he would give them a thumbs up and then he would like dissipate. The right. best way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. And then he would, he was also, the guy said that he was a trickster. So he would, you know, he was always joking around with people and he would hide their keys or he would, sometimes he would go into their lockers that are locked mm-hmm. and he right. would move, you know, your stuff into one of the other bar nurses that's on duty. There's usually a few of them. He would mm-hmm. move their stuff between the lockers. So you'd unlock your locker and like Jim's stuff is there. And then you go and unlock Jim's locker and like, like, you know, Amy's stuff is there. So he mm-hmm. would like move their stuff between the lockers, all kinds of crazy stuff. But he Weird. was a trickster. So he, yeah. So apparently he, he liked to mess around with people. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, dude, you got to visit. We all know who he is. He hangs around. Everybody knows. So I'm, I'm like mortified sitting there mm-hmm. when the next person came in i was like dude it, it was this guy i'm like dude just i don't know if it's going to happen to you but this place is haunted and he goes and this happened right after halloween I'm like this mm-hmm. place is haunted he's all yeah whatever piss off i'm like no for real this is like legit haunted and the guy's like oh yeah what happened i showed him the the label i still have it I showed him the label. I'm all, ha, 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 wakey, wakey. That printer printed it out, and there, there's nobody in here because mm-hmm. we had keys. There's nobody in here. He's all, oh. And, and I explained to him what happened, and he's like, oh. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, we, we all you know, kind of knew each other, and we were all very nice to each other, and so you would kind of 
you do your best to like take care of the central service stuff. So they didn't have to work too hard. You mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing when everybody's yeah. very congenial. And I'm like, dude, right. I'm sorry. I did not fold anything back there. I did not wash any of the instruments. I was running for my life. He's like, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. Cause you know, we're in college. Dude. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It sounds like you had a hell of a night. I'm all, Oh yeah. That was something that was thinking. Mm-hmm. That has only happened to me a, a few times. Mm-hmm. That is rare. Most of the time, it's the playback thing. What happened to me at VetMed, man, that was legit. <laughs> That's a story, That's huh? something else, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just had some pretty profound ones. And like I said, it, mine's been, eh, for the most, pretty nominal but I'm still hopeful that someday I too will see something that'll scare the living daylights out of me. I'm hoping really hard. You know, you just, you know, I went to Stonehenge and it didn't feel that whacked, whacked out. Mm-hmm. I went to, um, I went to Glastonbury. That place is strange. Yeah. yeah. You know, you go up on the tour and it just feels weird. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you have to, if you want it, you know, it's like East SETI. If you want to see a UFO, go to East SETI. Yeah. You have to go, you have to go where it is. If you want to see a ghost, yes, go where the ghosts are. That's yeah, I guess I'm going to have to do that. It just, uh, yeah, I don't think I've really tried to put myself in that place. And it's not that I'm necessarily scared. It's just a matter of, Again, being at the right place at the right time to see such things. I know that Frank Argueta from uh, West of the Rockies uh, radio Great show. show. Yeah, Great show. Um, yeah. He was. Uh, he told me he was kind of skeptical about a lot of uh, ghostly apparitions and stuff until he went. To, I think it's called the uh, uh, Loma Linda Hospital. Uh, it's a former oh, hospital in yeah. Los Angeles, and. Yep. Um, Right off the bat, there was things that he saw that he knew just wasn't like made up or projected or or whatever. He he could act, he could feel it. He could sense it. I mean, all of his he senses sense were it, extremely feel it, yeah. See it. Yep. Yeah. And so that made him a believer because that place happens to be one of those uh, just highly paranormal and anom- anomalous places. Where, you know, there was a lot of death that took place. Uh, and uh, maybe there was something else about that place, too. So, again, a lot more times than not, it's just not one thing. But there could be a series a of, di- of different things, right, that sort of sort of uh, accentuates the, the anomalous activity that goes on in a particular location. You know, Ron, the only thing I can tell you, man, if you want to see that stuff, you yeah. got to go where it is. You want yep. to see a UFO? Go to Yosemite. Go to the. I Canyon did. I Valley. saw a UFO. I saw a UFO, and I almost saw a Sasquatch or something, because like yep. at, at the corner of my eyes, I was seeing something, and I looked, and it was gone. And uh, James Gill and the uh, proprietor of Yosemite Ranch was saying that, yeah, a lot of people see something out of the corner of their eye, and what's happening is there's like this uh, 
uh, ripple effect that's taking place where like a dimension is just about to open up for you to pierce into it, but it, then it closes. So, um, oh, I, saw, I saw Bigfoot there. Yeah. Oh yeah. For real. Yeah. I yeah. Feel, I feel real saw Bigfoot there. Is that when with Clyde? Yeah. No, and I didn't I'll... know that happened that night. That happened that night. Oh, no, no, geez. no. This was during the day. Right. You don't, you don't know my Bigfoot story. I don't think, I think it got lost in the shuffle, buddy. Tell me about it. Okay. So, you know, we went from Friday to Sunday. Yes. Right? Uh huh. So on the Saturday, on the Saturday, when we were there Saturday night, that's when Clyde had the big, you a uh, big, Bigfoot running by his, his cabin thing. And, you know, and sounds and grunting and, and all that. That that happened that night after we all went to bed after the light show. Um, I think that was the night the hangar door opened on East City. And if, mm-hmm. remember there was that vortex in midair. Oh, yeah. That's a weird place. Well, yeah. anyway, so, you know, during the day, I, I always tell people this, but during the day there's nothing to do because it's like a big field. Mm-hmm. There, there's literally like nothing to do. Trout Lake is like the world's smallest town. Yeah. There's a, re- a restaurant and a general store. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Good pancakes. So, good, uh, uh Mary and Berry pancakes, but that's about it. Well, I heard the barbecue pizza is really good too. Well, anyway, so during the day you just kind of sit around and mm-hmm. so there are picnic tables. And so I was sitting at the picnic table with Larry Overman and, and Chris Reeves Mm-hmm. And Larry was watching the mountain, doing whatever he was doing. And I, I was playing Tetris on my phone. And Chris was just sitting there, I guess. I wasn't really paying attention. I was really engrossed in my Tetris. I was having, like, the best Tetris game ever. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, nailing it, right? And so Larry elbows me. Larry Overman of the Ghost Mine. Larry mm-hmm. starts elbowing me. He's like, hey you got to see this. you got to tell me what this is. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm playing Tetris. Fuck off. And he's like, no, 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 no. You've got to, you've got to look at, this is weird. You've got to look at this. I don't just, you got to, I'm like, no, I'm playing Tetris. Fuck off. No, no, you really have to see this. And he was so like energized that I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I turn around I'm like, what? And I don't see anything. It's like a freaking mountain. And it's mm-hmm. like a freaking field. And there's like, the sky is clear. There's nothing going, uh, there are people putting around. You know, there were some people hanging out in their RV. And there were some people talking and sitting in lawn chairs. There's nothing going on. I'm like, Larry, what the hell? I'm, I'm playing the best Tetris game of my life. And what? He goes, and he points at the mountain. He goes, look there. And he's like, I'm like, I don't see it. And he takes my head, like positions it. And there were these two things walking up the side of the mountain mm-hmm. and you know you're a good 10 miles or something from the mountain i mean it's, right. you're not like up next to it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i'm walking i'm watching these two things and you can literally see their gait like them moving back and forth up the side of the snow field mm-hmm. okay and it had to be about a 60 degree snow field and and i'm like watching I'm like what the hell is that and he goes i don't know i don't know what is it i'm like I'm not sure because they were huge. They had to be mm-hmm. seen, seen at that distance. 
mm-hmm. and they're just climbing up the snow field. And so I'm like, Chris, Chris, Chris. And, you know, he's like, what? I, Chris, you've got to see this. He's like, what? And he looks at me, what? I don't see anything. And I pointed, and he's like, oh, wow. And so the three of us are sitting at this, at this picnic table watching these two things go up the side of the mountain. And they were enormous because you could actually see their gait. You could, like, see them moving as mm-hmm. they hiked up the side of the mountain. And for a good 45 minutes, we, the three of us sat there transfixed watching these two things climb up the side of the mountain. Okay. And then mm-hmm. when they got to the top of the mountain and they were black or at least dark, dark Brown, mm-hmm. right? I think they were probably dark, dark Brown, but they were dark, dark Brown or black or some, they just, they look black against the snow field. Cause right. it was all snow and mm-hmm. they got to the top and you could actually see them standing side by side and you could see them turning like their bodies, like turning, like they were looking down below they turn mm-hmm. around and they walk down into a crevasse at the top of the damn mountain. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I'm like, okay. And so Chris like did some, some math to figure out how tall they were, the distance, the altitude, the rough altitude of the, the mountain mm-hmm. and how big the, we figure these things were. And he figures, he figured that it, they were about eight, eight to 10 feet tall. Wow. And we literally watched them hike up the side of the mountain. And mm-hmm. people tell me, oh, they were probably people. No, they were too big to be people. They mm-hmm. were not only were they tall, like 10 feet tall, they were mm-hmm. very robust, like very wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and just the way they were distance, walking too. The way, the way that they walked was very strange. It was like they were moving with their whole body. Not mm-hmm. like a person does where, you know, people, when they walk, they're very kind of like straight and angular. These were like, yes. you know, kind of like tipping and, and their whole body was kind of like moving. You could actually see them pivoting. It was right. weird. Well, I'm, I'm 99, 99.5% sure they were Bigfoot, Bigfoots. And there were two mm-hmm. of them. And they got to the top and you could see them kind of walk around up there and look around, and then they walk down into a crevasse. Gotcha. At the top, the very top of the mountain. Well, that was certainly Bigfoot weekend with all the different Bigfoot sightings from different oh. people. Yeah, but it was that was weird. That was mm-hmm. very strange. No, I'm I'm sure I saw Bigfoot. I saw two Bigfoots. Mm-hmm. Sasquatches, whatever you want to call them. Big As boys. A, <laughs> Well, I guess the term squatch is not very popular anymore. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wow. Well, as usual. As usual, we've gone over time, Ron. What happened, man? Did we get caught up in a time warp? I think we got caught up in a time You know, we got to get Clyde to come on and tell that story about the time warp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk you about weird act. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at that restaurant in Utah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. It burned down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a story. Yes, it is. Yeah. We got to get Clyde to come on and tell that, the story of the, of the, the missing, uh, missing restaurant. Mm-hmm. But it was actually verified by somebody yeah. that Clyde was accurate with what he was saying. It was just like, uh, no, but yeah, that was a different time was... period. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, his it was, description man. was bang on. And he, 
Uh-huh. He said he even had the receipt for a while uh-huh. that he had gotten. Right. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but we digress. Yeah. So that that time has come again uh, to all of our listeners. Uh, happy Halloween and uh, happy Solemn. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, a few trips down memory lane and a discussion of the paranormal, which is uh, very different than what we usually talk about. Um, on our next podcast, we'll talk about conspiracy stuff, which we know you like. But for tonight, you know, Halloween's coming, and you know, we just thought it'd be fun to like share a few stories and talk about ghosty stuff and Bigfoot. <laughs> which it's only appropriate. It's only right. It's only right to do at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, make sure you rate it. Well, on iTunes, uh, tell your friends. What episode uh, we is MIA. this? I think it's like 26. Oh, wow. We're getting up there, man. Yeah. But, you know, we took a break for a long time. So, you know, we're hoping the listeners come back. And I know. We're just going to keep pumping them out, man. Keep pumping them out. Yeah, getting maybe. our ratings up. And, right. Uh, yeah, we want to get in that top 100 on Stitcher again. Yeah, like, Again, I still can't yeah. believe we did that, but you know, miracles happen. Oh. God damn it! Apparently, we're in the top 100 of Stitcher, oddly enough. Anyway, yeah. so thanks again, thanks again for listening. Uh, we love our listeners. If you have a paranormal story, uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook under Paranoia Magazine or on Instagram on Paranoia Mags. Uh, mm-hmm. Twitter's Paranoia Mag. Uh, mm-hmm. We're both on Facebook. You can find us. Send us your story. Hey, I want to read it. I love paranormal stories. Weird Plus stories. the fact if that have... if it's a really good story, it might even appear in Paranoia Magazine, the winner Magazine. issue. Yeah. So, We're working on the winner yeah. issue right now. Yeah, so if you have a really sure. good uh, conspiracy or paranormal story article, about 3,000, 3,500 words, 500. send graphics, images, and uh, uh, you can send it to paranoiapublishing at gmail.com. Yep. <clears throat> well, uh, hey, everybody, uh, be excellent to each other, Ron. And take good care and keep the faith. All right, people. Have a good Halloween. We'll be back soon. Oh, next week. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now.